Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought-provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta. Welcome everyone to the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I have Dave Murphy, allegedly Dave, on the podcast. He calls himself an ordinary bloke from Basildon in Essex who had some pretty extraordinary things happen to him. And he's doing basically the same thing as I do, waking up people to the system that is enslaving us, taking back responsibility for all aspects uh, of his life or your life, help his fellow man and hopefully inspire others by example to do the same. And we're going to talk also about the flat earth, flat earth theory, to have a discussion about all the things that surround that and exploring his uh, worldview and the questions he gets asked. So I'm pretty excited to have him on the podcast, Dave. Well, thanks for having me. How has it been for you? I mean, you talk about very different aspects uh, of the nature of reality that is different than are perceived. Flat Earth may be the one that is the most outspoken. How has it been to go against the current? Well, it's been hard at times because this is a, a familiar story. Your family and friends start to disappear and, you know, consider you a crazy person. But you gather other friends along the way, people who are more aligned, aligned to your 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 journey. My journey is a, a, a search for truth. Do they always try to, because I also had this when I said like, hey, I want to have a discussion with a flat earther and I'm just a huge advocate of open debate. I might not agree, but I can understand or I want to get people other their perspectives. Are you often just in a discussion put away as a, as a lunatic or a crazy person that the person is not even willing to listen to your point of view? Most people who haven't um, come across it before are very, yeah, they're very closed-minded. And no, I mean, uh, their first thought is you're, you're nutter, you know, you're crazy. You've got no, you don't understand science. You know, you, you just watch something on the internet. And so you think you know it all. And that's further, the furthest from the truth. I think that's just one thing that people realize in this very crazy year that what we've been told as the mainstream story or the narrative is often like prescribed to us. And then people think like, no, that's my opinion. This is the truth because somebody else, you know, had a very narrow bandwidth of what's acceptable and we keep within that bandwidth. So you have to keep within it because else you are crazy. Well, there's only, yeah, there's a very, very narrow um, strip to walk along that's called normal. If you're out of it at any time, that's when people turn against you. That's when society turns against you. How has your awakening experience, what like was the inkling of noticing there's something different going on here than that's being told to me? I was at 9-11, so I was watching it from across the water. And I didn't really sort of take much notice of it at the time. I had to coincide with my midlife crisis. So at the same time, I was wondering, you know, what, what is all this about? You know, why am I here? Is this, is this really the way the world works? And so I started to try and find out answers for myself. How, um, how did you notice with 9-11 there's something fishy going on here? What was it exactly about the whole event? Okay, it was my daughter had came home one day with her physics homework and she couldn't do it and she was really upset. So we sat down and worked out how to do it. And it was the problem of a marble on a tabletop and the tabletop's a metre high. How long does it take the marble to hit the floor? So we worked it out and, uh, you know, did a few problems. My, my daughter went, I've got it, dad, I've got it. I said, not so fast. I'm going to give you one more problem. Let's imagine it's a, a bowling ball and it's on top of the World Trade Center. So we sat and worked it out and it came out about 10 seconds. 
I went back to the films. I was thinking, hang on a second, there's something wrong here. I went back to the films and a whole building falling through itself, the path of, path of most resistance fell you know, to the floor exactly the same time as a bowling ball falling through empty air, which is impossible. So right there, I had a, a contrary view to the, the, uh, the narrative. So I started looking for people or looking for things and, and other people who were, you know, found that there was something wrong. And I found there was a whole community of people who, who discovered there was something wrong about 9-11. Yeah, it was about the guy from The Young Ones, Rick, Rick Mehe, who made that video about the Yenga, like how, do, how did the blocks fall with Yenga? And they always fall sideways every time? Yes, every time. Every time, <laughs> yes. And then you had this, which so like, like falls on itself in a straight line. I mean, it's a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but you know, the speed, it could not have fallen, you know, through itself at the same speed as something falling through empty air. It's impossible. It can't accelerate as normal. So no, it, it didn't happen the way they told us. So that launched me on a 16-year quest for truth. Let's talk a bit about flat earth. I want to understand like how the mechanics work and how the evidence stacks up or how uh, flat earthers see how the earth actually functions and how it actually works. So as someone who just based purely on, on curiosity, I did as little research as I could because then I can just be curious about how it works. Could you tell us a bit about how we normally think that Earth is functioning in the galaxy and what you've discovered? Okay, well, we're all told from, from a time when we couldn't critically, you know, sort of evaluate information. We're told that we live on a, a spinning ball that's spinning a thousand miles an hour and wobbling through space. It's, it's orbiting a, a sun um, 93 million miles away at... 67,000 miles an hour. The sun is also dragging the, the Earth and all the other planets through the galaxy at, I think it's about 500,000 miles an hour. And the galaxy itself is whizzing at something like half a million miles an hour. Well, I think it's more than that, actually. So it's, it's, we're moving in, in several different directions all at once. <laughs> and none of us can feel it. And, and also, all the stars seem to stay aligned as well. But, but yeah, that's the, that's the story we've been told. And, you know, if, if you don't, you haven't got any reason to doubt it, then okay, that's fair enough. But once you actually, as an adult, start looking at these things, you'll find that the story doesn't add up. What do you find that the most tree for my audience? They were like, hmm, let's check this out, what this podcast is about. I don't know, but let's hear this bloke, what he has to say. What are some three major things that people could see or check out that you think like, hmm, at least that should get them thinking? Right. Well, the, the oldest globe proof is that 500-year-old idea that you can stand on the beach and um, watch a ship go out to sea and then go over the curvature. So the hull will disappear first and then the mast and, and that's it. It's gone out of your sight because it's being blocked by the physical curvature of the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. Yes, you can stand at the beach and watch what that exact thing happen. But if, you, if you've got um, a, a Zoom camera, now, the best one, the flat earth camera of choice was the Nikon Coolpix P900 camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's got the, an 87 time zoom, which is pretty phenomenal. So if you whip out your trusty P900, when, once you've seen it gone over the curve, you can zoom in and the, and the boat comes back in its entirety. And you can stay at that level of zoom, watch it do exactly the same thing, zoom in some more and it comes back. And you can do that to the limit of the zoom of that camera. Now, 
Also, all of these digital cameras have a, a little infrared filter inside there to stop mm -hmm. extra infrared light from spoiling the picture. If you take that filter out, now you've got an infrared camera. And there's a guy called uh, Jay Tolan Media who's done a, a lot of uh, experiments with this uh, infrared camera. And he's got a picture, a long distance shot of Santa Monica. And you can just about see the city with the lights and um, blue sky behind it. Then he gets his uh, infrared camera, takes the same shot, and you can see Mount St. I think it's Mount St. Jacinto, which is a hundred miles away, right? A hundred miles further away from the city. And it's, and you can see the whole mountain, right? Impossible because the physical curvature of the earth should have blocked um, that mountain. That mountain should have been behind, like, I think it's two or three miles of curvature. It's impossible. So I've been, I've been going out looking for, for curvature. When I first found out about this, I went out looking for curvature with my, with my, my trusty zoom camera. I can't find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. And none of us have been able to find it. Some people say you can see it in a plane. Well, you, this is the, the, the funny thing. I've gone, every time I've been on a, a flight, I've asked the pilots a few questions. You know, I'm that guy who goes up front and says, uh, can I speak to the pilot? And half the, half the pilots I've spoken to say they've seen the curve. The other half say they haven't seen the curve. Yeah. If you're looking out of, of a, a plane window and you think you see a curve, well, that, that window is curved itself. Okay. So the, on the side of the fuselage, it's curved. It's also got, so got another inner kind of a window, which is curved as well, which is, you know, for the pressure, it's pressurized. So you can actually test when you're on the ground and you look through the, through the window, you can actually see cur slight curvature even on the ground. So, you know, it's, you're not seeing any curvature. And on top of that, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the leading cosmologist in, in America, he talked about uh, Felix Baumgartner's record-breaking Red Bull jump from, from the edge of space, which was a uh, hundred and I think it was 110,000 feet, right? Neil deGrasse Tyson said, even from that height, you can't see curvature. And now that height is, uh, I, think it's, I think it's three times the height of a normal passenger jet. So even from three times the height of a passenger jet, you shouldn't be able to see curvature. And what are some other two things besides the fact like I haven't, you can't see the curvature, <laughs> even if you get like really high. Okay. Well, then you, once you get away from curvature experiments, it gets a little more difficult for anybody to go out and do this, these experiments. So one, one that I think is very powerful is the gyroscope. Okay. So a gyroscope is a very curious thing. If you spin up a gyroscope right, at any angle, it wants to stay at that angle, mm -hmm. right? So if you spin a gyroscope at 45 degrees on a, on a piece of card, right, it'll be on, it'll stay at 45 degrees, no matter what you do with the card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in an aircraft, they have an artificial horizon and the, uh, the mechanical artificial horizon, because I've got a computerized one is just a gyroscope on gimbals. So it can freely move in any direction. Okay. So just before they take off, they spin up that gyroscope. And it gets a reference to the, to the ground. Okay. So it's not connected to the ground in any way. It's just literally, it's pointing straight up. And now it's got a reference to the ground where they are at the moment. So when, when a plane takes off and supposedly goes over the curvature of the earth, plane will move around the gyroscope essentially. And so the gyroscope should roll backwards as it goes over the curvature. And then it's now no longer acting properly. So 
you know, the pilot should at some point correct that gyroscope. <laughs> okay. But uh, they don't have to correct it. It doesn't roll backwards. Yeah. It's because they're flying um, uh, over a plane, a flat plane. Okay. Just before the lockdown, I was actually going to do an experiment using a gyroscope flying from, from London to uh, Australia nonstop, just to, that would have been the absolute proof that we live on a flat. Well, it would have been proof one way or the other. You know, I can't say that, you know, it would have, it would have proved the uh, globe or would have proved the flat earth. We haven't done the experiment, but I'm pretty sure that it would have proved the uh, flat earth. And is there a third uh, thing, like in terms of like flights or something else? What would be the third most compelling or interesting thing to look at? Oh, one of the, I guess one of the very interesting things to look at are flights, especially flights in the Southern Hemisphere, right? So when you look at, when you look at most flights in the Southern Hemisphere, what you'll find is the, the direct flights sort of south to south. So the tip of South America to Australia, for instance, most of those flights take a stopover somewhere in the Northern Hemisphere, which doesn't make sense. Because mm -hmm. uh, let's say from Chile to uh, to Australia, it's like a straight flight across the, the Indian Ocean. But most of these flights go up, way up to Dubai or or certain other places, and and then back down again to 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 South America. Makes absolute no sense on a on a on a ball, but on a flat Earth, when you look at the flat Earth map, it's a straight line. And there've been flights from there's a flight from Bali to Los Angeles. And uh, halfway on the on the flight, a woman gave birth, so they had to uh, they had to divert to you know to land very quickly. So basically, that flight the only the real the only ways to to go either turn around and go back to Bali or continue on to Los Angeles. But they stopped off in in Alaska, which again is like okay, let's divert um, thousands of miles north, <laughs> right, in order to uh, to land quickly. But again, you look on a flat map, right? It's a straight line. Alaska is actually on the way. So, you know, these, you know, if you study the flights, you know, from, especially from the Southern Hemisphere to any place, you'll find that the flights only seem to make sense on a, on, on a flat map. What's going on in Antarctica? I heard that there's no flights over Antarctica. And then when people look it up, there's, there's no flights going over there, which if you want to get somewhere, you know, the shortest way and the weather is not like apocalyptic, let's say. It's strange that they don't use that route. I know. And they say that uh, it's far too cold for, for a plane to fly over Antarctica. But I don't believe that. Some people say, oh, yes, well, there, there has been a flight that's gone over. And when, if there's been a flight that's gone over the Antarctica, why aren't, we, why aren't everybody flying over it? They're not because they can't. It's impossible. Anyone who goes to so-called the South Pole goes, apparently goes there and then comes back the way they came. Because they can't go, you know, down to the bottom of the ball and then back up the other way. It, it never happens. So, but again, Antarctica comes under the Antarctic Treaty, which means nobody is allowed to even go near Antarctica without permission. So you can't go past the 60th South Parallel. So you can't even get near to uh, um, Antarctica without getting turned back by the military. And I just watched a, a video of a couple of fishermen testing that out. And they went, they went and they got, they got intercepted by a, a warship, which, which hailed them and said, no, you've got to turn back, mate. You know? I don't know if you ever saw or read like uh, Gulliver's Travels and stuff. You kind of have also that civilization of like scientists on a flying island or whatever. I'm just wondering for people who don't know how the model of the flat earth works. 
Is it a sphere? Is it a dome? Do you do you fall off a piece? Is it inhabited on both sides? Like, what does it look like? Right. So the the flat Earth model that uh, we're using at the moment is uh, is essentially like a lake. If you imagine a lake, a circular lake, right? Um, in the middle of that lake is the North Pole. Around the North Pole, there are islands in the lake. They're the continents that we're aware of. And round the edge, the shoreline is essentially what we call Antarctica, which is uh, a wall of ice, 200 foot high, and uh, miles of uh, ice plain, and then two mile high mountains. But we don't really know what's beyond. There is a new thing that's come out. Sorry, I'll, let's step back a second. Yeah, at some point after after the ice, I believe there's a, a dome that goes over the, the whole of this. We're in an enclosed system. But I was just about to say that there is a new thing that just mm. came out, very exciting, new view of it, that shows that essentially uh, there's a map <laughs> of the Earth on the moon, <laughs> which sounds crazy. But, you know, once you, there's a, a video that uh, uh, just came out and uh, has now disappeared, but it's been re reposted. I think it's called Lost History of Flat Earth. And the last episode is amazing because it, it basically shows that there's an imprint, an image of the Earth on the moon. And it's showing that there's more land beyond the, the, the North Pole, essentially. So you're actually being humble enough to describe the habitable or the known part of the flat Earth, which has an edge which is maybe artificially set. But up until that edge, you can describe a bit on what we label as Earth. Am I correct there? Right. Yeah. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to talk in terms of this new information now. Sure. So the the... The lake I described, yeah, is bounded on around by this ice. And it's the ice is held back essentially by the daily course of the sun. Right. But that that part of the pond is only a small part of the larger that we don't get to see. And we can't get to see it. It's very clever. We can't get to see it because we mostly navigate with a compass. And a compass will keep you within that circle. Because you can't, you can't navigate anywhere outside of that circle because east or west is literally a circle around the North Pole. There's a flat circle then. Yes. So it's a flat circle, right? So if you travel east or west, you're literally going to go around us in a circle around the North Pole. Yeah. If you try and um, head north, you'll get to um, the north, the middle, North Pole, and then, then everywhere else is south. <laughs> So literally, if there's if the Earth is m any other shape but this circle, you can't navigate to it because because you know without a compass, yeah, you, know, you wouldn't know where you, where you're going. So imagine that that pool, that that lake, is only a small part of a larger round round lake. Okay, and so the the magnetic center, if you imagine that magnetic center is moving. And it takes an age, which is 2,160 years, to change its position. So, so literally, that is, the lake is moving, or our part of the lake is moving. So it, it seems to explain why in older maps, there were continents that have disappeared. Mm -hmm. yeah? And you know, we, we can expect that as we move into a new age, there's going to be new continents appear that literally thaw out because now the, the sun is 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 warming a, a different circle. Does that make sense? 
yeah what does because i had a lot of questions and i will go a bit like later through it so we can talk a bit like how it works people ask the question like what about the moon what about the stars what about the galaxy and what we see do flat earthers also doubt that that it's there or is that real and or those around or how does those things work okay well the sun and the moon are lights they're not um the, the sun's a light obviously but the, the moon is also a light it's not a hard rocky place that you can land that doesn't make any sense whatsoever one 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 easy way to to look at it is if the if the moon is reflecting the sun's light okay a full moon is enough to read by you know on a on a, a dark night so there's a full moon you can actually read by it now if you imagine it, that moon is 238,000 miles away yet it's casting enough light for you to read by at night okay the the inverse square law when you when you apply the inverse square law to that light yeah you'll realize that you know and just to just to sort of uh, elucidate that if you move that moon half the distance it'll be four times as bright if you move it another half the distance again it'll be well 16 times as bright and so on and so on so you you can work out that the the moon is actually if it is 238,000 miles away it's it's way brighter than the sun <laughs> so how could how could uh, neil armstrong walk on something that's even brighter than the sun he was there and it looked like cement you know so so no it, it doesn't make any sense the moon is a light it gives up gives off its own light because the light from the moon is cold whereas the, sun, the light from the sun is, is is hot the light from the moon is cold you can do an experiment if you've got one of those laser thermometers and you'll find the, the shade of the moonlight is warmer than the direct moonlight which is the opposite to the sun so yeah it's it's not a rocky place it's a light and it's it's light is different from the suns the stars you know they're not millions and billions of miles away they're they're several thousand miles away yeah according to the old testament they're in the firmament they're in the in the dome so they're not they're not millions of miles away and they're literally turning around above us because if they were you know trillions of miles away and different stars are different distances away then we would never see the same stars twice you know every year you know we're moving in relation to these stars we should never ever see the same stars twice but we do the same stars every single year year on year year in year out you know millennia in millennia out they still stay the same place you know there are monuments where you can look through a hole on a certain day and it will point exactly at polaris or the pyramids are aligned with the the stars of orion's belt you know and and it has done for 10,000 years so you know the stars aren't, aren't billions and trillions of miles away and what about the the tidings and the seasons i don't know much about the tides and you know the the earth's weather is complex anyway but the seasons again it's it's something that's easy to explain you have the two tropics and the equator so you've got the equator halfway around the disk and you've got the tropic of capricorn tropic of cancer so the sun as it goes around on the, the earth doesn't just stay over the equator part of the year it's over the tropic of capricorn right and as it's as it goes through the year it spirals in to the tropic of cancer so when it's over cancer it's it's summer in the northern hemisphere 
And as it spirals out, it's over the equator. Now it's uh, spring in the, I can't remember which way around, but yes, yeah, spring or, or autumn, uh, depending on what side of the world you are. And then when it spirals out into the Tropic of Capricorn, now it's, it's summer in the, in the south and winter in the north. And that's it. It's literally just, just the course of the sun over the earth. The, the earth is revolving around the sun or the sun is revolving around the earth in your model? The earth is stationary, doesn't move. It's not floating in space. It's, 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 a, it's a stationary system and the sun and moon revolve over the top. But you do acknowledge that the sun exists in a certain way. It's not like all a kind of light show in the dome and that they just created based on like artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and that we just see a fake reality. Well, again, we don't know, right? But nor does the mainstream media, nor does the mainstream science. They don't really know. They're, they're telling us they know, they, they don't actually know. You know, there's, there's various theories that have been put out that the sun is just a, a projection point, you know, a, a conversion point, and it's being projected from outside of the dome, and it's converging in the sky where we see it. That's one. It could be a physical light in the sky. We don't know. Literally, we can't go higher than about 75 miles. It's There's some kind of, not physical, it doesn't seem to be a physical barrier, but there's some kind of barrier that stops us going any, any higher than 75. Another person asked, like, if the world is flat, how come that rainbows are bent? <laughs> rainbows are literally following the, 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 the dome above us, essentially. The thing is, you can't... You cannot create a rainbow without a reflecting a reflector behind. So you've got light, you're shining onto a mist, right? You need some kind of reflector. If you try and build a make a rainbow indoors, right? You can't do it without a mirror behind the you know behind it. So a, a rainbow only works if there's a reflective surface somewhere, <laughs> you know, beyond your sight that's, that's that's helping to create it. So yeah, the the, the rainbow is, is actually mirroring the, uh, the shape of the, the firmament. They say, someone says, like, explain a lunar eclipse. How could the shadow of the earth be cast on the moon? If it's not the shadow of the earth, what is it? Again, who knows? Because we don't know what the moon is. Uh, the moon doesn't seem to make much sense. You know, it's, if it's a, a sphere, well, it, it, can't, it can't be a sphere uh, unless it's putting out its own light because... If you shine the light on a sphere, what you're going to get is a hot spot where the light is brightest, and then it will sort of fade out as it um, goes around the curve of the, of the sphere. But if you look at a full moon, it's lit uniformly over the whole surface. Yeah, so it's either not a sphere or it's putting out its own light. Now, uh, I, I can't tell you how a lunar eclipse works, but I can, what I can say is that the model that we're told doesn't work either because there's something called a selenalien which is where you see the sun and the moon over the horizon at the same time while there's a lunar eclipse going on like a dune landscape or something or like star oh yeah you, yeah, you yeah. see you see the sun coming up one side and on the other side you see the moon both over the horizon and then you see the lunar eclipse happen well if you can see them both that means the earth can't be in the way right and the other thing is that when you, some, a lot of times, especially in a selenalien, you'll see the shadow come from the wrong direction. 
you see the shadow come from above. <laughs> yeah. So again, that can't be the earth causing that shadow if it is a shadow, right? Because, and, and nobody's been able to explain that. They just say, oh, it's a rare event and just uh, brush it off. But it literally doesn't make any sense. So I can't tell you how it works, but I can tell you that their model doesn't work. What I always found crazy about the moon landing is so so basically they had a, a a rush to the moon and then I don't know how long it was a couple of days guys went to the moon and then they said like okay cool that's it like you're gonna tell me with the human race the quest for expansion something that would be so close maybe good minerals etc that they haven't if it would have that they haven't visited in 50 years this is just completely crazy to me like we've been there once we put our flag there we got some video material okay on to the next one like. I mean, I know the USA or whatever kind of country, like they would explore that. They would they would try to harvest it for maybe creating vegetables, creating life, creating a dome, like just you know, 67 or 69, I don't know, one of the two. Like it's, it's that's that's 50 years ago that you've been there. It's like it's like Christopher Columbus, if you believe that story, discovering America and going, okay, we found it. Now we're not going back there again, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right. It's, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And when NASA has asked why they haven't gone back. There's an astronaut called Don Pettit who said, yeah, we'd go back to the moon in a nanosecond, but we'd, we've lost all the technology to get there. And it's a painful uh, process to build it back again. Hmm. So they went to the moon with computers that were less powerful than a Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, 1969 technology, and they've now lost that technology. And we're now at a time where the technology is less advanced than 1969. That's what they're telling us. Does that make sense to anybody? I don't think so. Yeah. So no, they never went, they can't go. And, and there's so much evidence. The whole moon landing thing is a, is a whole topic in itself. And you can spend two hours talking about that. But uh, so much evidence says they never went. And they're also shooting so many satellites in the sky like crazy that some people really want to look at the sky. They say like so many satellites. It's also, I think it's a very crazy story that suddenly a South African person becomes like the billionaire and was very close to being bankrupt a couple of times, but suddenly he got the finances and now you do, you can just bypass NASA by just shooting with SpaceX, like satellites, like crazy in the sky. For me, that just seems crazy. You know, it's like unspoiled territory. Mm -hmm. We can do what we want in space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the satellites are another funny thing. Did you know that NASA is the world's most biggest uh, user of helium? Uh, they use more helium than anyone else in the world. Okay. Because you find out that the satellites that they, they launch, because there are satellites up there, the satellites they launch are on balloons, are on helium balloons. And one of the things that they, they do down in, in Antarctica is they launch satellites, you know, on balloons. They've got a, a truck with a great big crane and they, they literally launch a satellite, you know, by, by sort of backing away from it and letting the balloon go. And several satellites have crashed. And, you know, you, you, there's video on YouTube of these crashed satellites and they're still attached to the balloons. Yeah. So, so essentially they send these balloons up, they go into the, uh, the southern jet stream and they literally circle the earth on the jet stream. That's it. 
Now, one of the things that I wonder myself of all the things that they could use to enslave humanity, why was this concept of believing in a, a ball of earth? I'm not saying I believe in flat earth, but I'm open to theories, especially this year that has awakened a lot of people. Of all the things they could be creating, there's a lot of <coughs> hoax going on right now with everything. Yeah. <laughs> why, why this one? Okay, it's the, the round earth idea links together with the theory of evolution and the theory of uh, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, it's the only way to, to get a small group of people controlling uh, a large group of people is by psychologically diminishing them to nothing, reducing them to nothing. So if you believe those three theories, the baller theory, the theory of evolution, and uh, the Big Bang Theory, it means that you're a, a microbe crawling around on a speck of dust in a huge, uncaring universe made up of millions and billions and trillions of specks of dust, it means you don't matter. It means you've got no purpose whatsoever. It means there's no creator and, you know, there's no purpose to the universe, which means powerful people down here, right, who are powerful because they've got more money, more property and all that, now they can insert themselves above you and say, you do as I say. And that's what's happened. We've got an elite class who've placed themselves above us and, uh, you know, forcing us to, to work for them. Now, if you, if you know that you're one step below the creator, like every other being on this earth, right, then nobody is going to be able to push you around. That's how, that's how powerful it is. But is that about the ball or is that about the story that there are one planet and billions of stars lost from, from all other like life forms? That, that was something that I would understand like you're a speck of dust in like an infinite galaxy. But it's still not clear to me like why this ball theory <clears throat> or sphere theory for, for those people was like essential to fit into that enslavement plan. Well, it's, again, it, as I said, it interlocks with the, those other two theories that, you know, the baller theory means that you are spinning wildly out of control in an uh, uncaring universe. Nobody created this, this. This world happened by accident. You happened by accident. You know, you've got no purpose. You know, if you die, no, nothing would happen. You know, nothing would happen. No, nobody would care. You know, that's, that's the idea they're, they're trying to put across that it your life doesn't matter. Whereas, as I said, if you knew that you were in a, a created environment that was created for you, right? And you are one of the chief of the creations here. Yeah. Your life absolutely matters. Every life absolutely matters. Yeah. This is the universe. This is it. <laughs> yeah. If, if this place gets messed up, there isn't another place to go to. This is it. Yeah. So literally it is a very powerful tool that literally reduces you to, to subconsciously to nothing. And that, that lays, the, lays the pathway for powerful people who, who believe they're, they're superior to us to, to lord it over us. You're Hebrew, right? Did I read or not? I am, yes. How does that uh, influence like your perspective of knowing like the Old Testament and you being of that origin and see what everything's going on? Is there something that you learned about the symbology or mythology that plays a role in this? Well, what, what I've learned from understanding that I'm a Hebrew and uh, well, is, is essentially that that story in the Old Testament is true and it's still playing out right now. In fact, I can point to uh, the passage in the Old Testament that we're in right now. 
okay? Because this is this elite class, this bloodline, has been at work for thousands of years, yeah? And, and we're now in the end game, you know? The frantic nature of what they're doing is because they've run out of time. It's a long story, but, but literally the story is playing out right now. We're at the end. We're at the end. We're in the end days. We see this on a moral level. We've seen this with the flood of Noah. We've seen this with Atlantis, who was so technologically advanced. But just because you have a lot of technology doesn't mean you're advanced when it comes to like humanity. What I see with these people in power, especially right now, they have this transhumanist agenda, which all the solutions are just more technology, more technology. And you're worshiping this technology to become inhuman, this Faustian deal, like just give up and you live a better life. But they sacrifice everything that makes the life worthwhile. But these technocrats, it's almost like we live in this Truman Show lab social experiment, and they with their coats are setting up the lighting, changing some knobs and seeing how we're reacting. That's how I'm feeling like the last year, year and a half, you know? Yep. Well, first of all, we're not the most technologically advanced that humanity's ever been. Yeah, we're, we've been, we're, it's becoming more and more obvious now that we're in this, this artificial system that's kept us as children, as stupid children, you know, bumbling along in, in you know, petrol-driven cars and stuff and a level of technology that keeps us controllable. So everything in our, in our, in our environment is a lie, everything. But, you know, everything you point to, I don't say it's a lie. The, the uh, people of uh, previous ages were way more advanced than we were. You, you're Hebrew, right? Let, let's make it controversial, right? Have you, okay. read, have you read anything about World War II and what happened there that coming from your Hebrew heritage that you find like, whoa, this was like pretty eye-opening what happened there? I don't know, if, I don't know what you're referring to because if you're, t- if you're talking about the Holocaust... I'm just, no, I'm just talking in general because what I've noticed when I started investigating it, like I've, I've, been, I've been fed like a very uh, narrow narrative about everything that was like going on. And when I investigated that, like it was a lot more complicated action reaction stuff going on than I realized but I'm asking you this question because you have your Hebrew heritage so and you're a truth seeker so I'm wondering if you had anything that was like whoa uh well lots of things actually but you know because again we're fed a a children's story about World War II yeah good good guys bad guys you know Hitler bad guy you know Churchill and Roosevelt and all that good guys you know Mm. no it's it's literally this this bloodline had manipulated the whole thing you know there were on both sides they were funding both sides and and just keeping this thing going it started on a on a ritual blood sacrifice day so again it was it wasn't what we we thought it was Hitler Went for, was uh, was doing a lot of um, research into the occult. One of the things that they were doing was called Liebens, Liebensborn. Liebensborn? I think it's Liebensborn. I can't. Not German, so I don't know. No. No, no. It's Lieben, Liebensborn, which was essentially what they were doing. They were creating brothels. They were getting the blondest, blue-haired, blondest, blue-eyed women, blue-haired, blue, <laughs> blondest, blue-eyed women, and basically getting them to have sex with the blondest, blue-eyed Aryan men, right? essentially to breed out the human to breed out the 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 human and and breed in the pure nephilim so that's a character from the old testament when the fallen angels had sex with women i mean isn't this crazy i also talked about in another episode right like the garden of eden with the serpent but here it's a bit strange like the who with the serpent in its actually logo is saying like give up your free will 
and then you will have the morals and you will get into the Garden of Eden. Well, in the Garden of Eden, you know, they could decide right or wrong. Now you're good if you can't decide right or wrong anymore. It would decide for you. And that symbolism, I know that they make the analogy to like Greek mythology, where he was like the shepherd of the people in medicine, etc. But it is a strange myth, <laughs> symbolism when you look at the symbolism of the WHO, you know, and Right. Well, I guess I think the symbolism comes from in the Old Testament when Moses has a staff with a, a serpent on it and mm. uh, anyone who would look upon it would be healed. But if you if you actually check what the symbol of the medical establishment actually is, it's not that symbol. It's actually twin serpents. Okay. Now you look at, it's called the caduceus. And if you look at the image of the Baphomet, okay, well, the Baphomet uses that symbol as its penis. So just, just have a look and you'll see the caduceus in the, in the Baphomet's lap. Yeah. The whole medical establishment was taken over by the Rockefellers back in 1910. And they created what we have now, which is the allopathic medical system, which isn't designed to help you. It's designed to, to make you sicker without you realizing. So what it does, it, it, it deals with symptoms and leaves the cause, you know, alone. So it's like taking your car to a garage because the engine warning light's coming on and the, the mechanic takes the bulb out, yeah? So you, now you can't see the problem, right? The symptom's gone, but the problem's still there and it's going to get worse and worse and you won't even know about it until other symptoms appear. I mean, look at this. Like, this is something that has a mortality rate of 0.15%. You can't debate this with me. 0.15, even lower, right? Everything that's been going on with Corona mm -hmm. and all the propaganda and then this and then this and then this. Could you imagine all that money being spent like, you know, eat healthy, exercise, connect, hug, and all that budget was spent towards that, how much of a better place could we be? Not control, not to have fear, but you know, to make people healthier, happier, satisfied, fulfilled. Well, you know, the money um, was there to just spend it on this thing, which is a spec like 0.50. And then people, yeah, but polio, measles, that's a whole other thing about viruses and other work. But still, we're talking about a very big mortality here, 0.15%. And that had to be the priority for people, you know, and taxes and debt, et cetera. We could have used this to, to build people up from yeah, the inside but, out. But you've, you're, again, you're missing the point that this whole society isn't about making us happy and healthy. It's never been about that. Yeah? It's a society that we don't fit in. Yeah? It's a competition-based society where we are collaborative beings. We work together. Yeah? But we're in a system where we're pitted against each other to fight for the scraps to live. Yeah. So no, this society has never been been about um, helping us or making us happy and healthy. So that it doesn't make sense because you know we all think that we are in that system that's that's a benefit to us, but we're not. And it's this is the thing they want to sell it like we're going to help you tackle racism. Why? By hating white people. We're going to help you protect the planet. Why? You know, and climate change, etc. It's all being sold like we're going to help you. But what does it create? fear, polarization, animosity, divide and conquer. And it just keeps people enslaved because we have so much knowledge about what drives mm -hmm. social behavior, psychological behavior. We see it now, how it's being manipulated for evil. Can mm -hmm. you imagine this being manipulated in a positive way for good? To bring people together and closer, more from the heart, how powerful it is. But you only see these devices created to polarize and divide. The whole, again, the whole system is where if, if you invent something, 
if you today invented something that would help people, yeah, what would happen is that invention would get taken from you mm-hmm. and twisted so it will harm people, but would give the idea that it's still going to help people. That's, you know, if you wanted to make money from that um, device, whatever it is, you'd have to go through the patent system, their patent system. And, and what will happen is if it's useful, they will take it from you. You won't get a patent. They'll have how to build it. They'll make it and they'll make it into something that will harm people. Like, like a mobile phone, for instance. A mobile phone could be useful and it is useful, but they've, they've loaded in all sorts of harmful things like the fact that they use a radio frequency that will harm you. Yeah. They yeah, can use any frequency. And you'll also see this right now. I think some companies, they have like a patent on some kind of mineral or some kind of ingredient in Africa and they make like so many billions of it. But now in this Corona thing, they say like, no, 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 no. Stop working. You know, you have less income because don't you want to help people? But then those pharmaceutical companies like, Hey, you have something that could help a lot of people. Like, why are you not giving it away? Like pretty free because that could help people. Oh no. No, then the stake and the power is too big and they can manipulate things. It's it's just so sad, but on the other way, it's never been so clear like the yep. last year and the last year and a half. If people just take some effort to look at the Rockefeller Foundation, about the Tavistock Institute, about the nephew of Freud, which is Edward Bernays, about propaganda, about MK Ultra, about all these false flags being created, then you see that the huge part of what the main narratives is or the mere fear mechanisms is, it's it's just fabricated. It's just fabricated and it keeps us occupied with stupid stuff, low-level stuff. Right. There's a, a document called The Secret Covenant. Now, I think it was written by, by one of us, a truth seeker, basically, to show, to illustrate what this system is about. Yeah. And the first, one of the first lines of it is that it's a conspiracy so large, so huge, that you can't see it. It's so yeah. big that you literally can't see it. It can be a conspiracy it. because else no one could believe it, you know? Like, it's so big and out in the open that just the size of it makes people think like it can be. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You, there's a film that I get people to watch called um, The Invention of Lying. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Invention of Lying. It's uh, set in a world where nobody knows how to lie and somebody wakes up and realizes he can lie. And, and literally, he'll, he goes to a bar and he lies to his friends just because, you know, he's trying to explain what he's doing. He lies to his friends, ridiculous lies, and they believe him. They believe him. They believe. And this is what, where we are. Yeah? As, as humans, we like to believe people and we, we, we don't really want to lie. You know, I think lying is alien to us, you know, because if you try and lie to somebody, right, your body language the rest of your body basically says, I'm lying, I'm lying, <laughs> okay? Because lying doesn't come naturally to us. But these, the, this, this group of psychopaths, lying comes second nature to them. So they will tell us the hugest whoppers out there and we will believe it. And, you know, we're watching, we're watching lies coming out of the mainstream all the time. You know, from our perspective, we can see their lies. But those people who consume TV... Right. AI, I think it's crazy to consume TV when it's so negative and so one-sided. But you know what happens? Sometimes people check this stuff and they say like, oh, I'm just going to drink my beer and watch football because I can't be bothered. But they are impact. Their children go to school with a mouth mask. They don't have a job. Their relationship is under pressure. It has used impact about what's going on. And they don't even spend like a couple of hours in a whole year to look at alternative perspectives. That, I, that, I don't understand this. But that's because they don't know there's another side. 
the media is showing that one side as if it is the only side. So most of the, I call them muggles, most of the muggles out there have yeah. no idea there is another side to investigate. Yeah. So they, they never look. But they don't even, like the thing is when Jesus on the cross says like, forgive them father because they know not what they do. Because in the past, like the two stupid people were the people who didn't have access to certain resources. But now there are some truth uh, seekers, the Morpheuses, the, the rabbit hole pointers, let's say, and you just point them something and they, they are maybe not completely stupid, but they choose to ignore it. They choose to not look at it. And that's what I find strange. This is having so much impact on your life, future generations, the future of humanity, and you're not even willing to take a look at it just to know the truth. That is strange to me. Well, the psychology of fear is that, okay, so when you're afraid, what happens is all sorts of chemicals get released around your body, yeah? And those chemicals start off processes to get you ready to deal with the fear, okay? So maybe your blood will be drawn away from your core into your limbs so you're ready to run and fight. One of the things that this, the, these chemicals do is shut down your higher brain functions. Mm -hmm. Because you are, when you're in fear, you, you're meant to act on instinct because you can react faster you're on instinct. You're stuck in your Nephilim brain, right? The reptilian brain, right? Yes. So, so literally, you can't think critically anymore. You just react because, you know, because you're in fear. And this is what most people are. They're, they're watching television. It's pumping fear into them every single day. And, and literally, they're just reacting. They're not analyzing. Yeah. If you, if you, Get somebody to calm down and take a step back, right? Just get them to go, okay, look out your window. Can you see a pandemic out there? You know, if there was a pandemic, there'd be bodies in the streets. There'd be, you know, there'd be death in the street. People would, you'd know you're in a pandemic. But yeah, okay, and you just show up in your reality, right? Like if there's such a huge <laughs> disconnect between your lived experience and the total experience, you would think like use some common sense. It, it does like I often imagine going to the Middle Ages right now and then having a chat with the people and explain this as the biggest worst pandemic ever and explain that to that guy who, had, who was going through the black plague. Yeah. <laughs> well, I my mum was was getting a bit frightened about what was going on. And, and on the TV, she phoned me after uh, seeing on the television the night before, they were showing her local hospital was packed solid with these dying COVID cases. Yeah. And she lived literally, she, she was staying just, uh, you know, a few doors, a few streets down from the hospital. So I told her, go and have a look at the hospital. All right. So this was the very next day after the news report showed the hospital was packed solid and, and heaving with coronavirus patients. She went in there and it was completely empty. She said the ambulances were lined up out the back. You know, nobody was, nobody was moving in that hospital. And, and the fear just left her after that. She, this, she saw. This is why I think this is a battle for humanity and also the dawn of transhumanism, because if increasingly they are going to take control of our senses, our perception, we will increasingly have all that, that narrow way of perceiving. And when we give them the data, body data, perceptual data, what we say, and we give it to them yeah, under the guise of like, yeah, more comfort, it will be easier. Like we will have less and less ways to show a different perspective or we've been bred into that matrix where you never step outside of that very narrow perspective. And as soon as you have a wrong idea, Thought police, thought police, or etc. You know, and then they they get you before you truly awaken or cause some trouble. 
Well, I think the transhumanism thing is, is a, again, a bit of a red herring because it's not about this idea that you're going you're gonna to improve yourself by merging with technology. No, the, the ultimate goal of this is population um, control. Well, not even population control, population extermination. Mm. Okay, so those people who aren't going to die from this vaccine, the survivors are going to have their technology in us. Okay, so 70 years ago, there was a guy called Dr. Delgado who was uh, experimenting with direct control of the brain of animals. So at one point, he put this bit of electronics and an antenna into a bull's brain. Okay, so I had a little antenna sticking out of this ball. And he was able to show this, this ball charging at him. He pressed the button and the ball stopped and became passive. He, he switched it off and the ball got angry again and uh, charged at him and he stopped the ball with a press of a button. Okay, that was 70 years ago. You can, you can bet they've continued to, to do research in that area over the last 70 years. Okay, so... Let's fast forward to 70 years to now, okay? We're finding out that this vaccine has a substance called ferritin in it, okay? This is a magnetic substance, right, mm. which, which binds to, to certain, I guess, chemicals and then get, get transported to the brain, okay? Mm. And this ferritin is, reacts to electromagnetic radiation, radio waves, so, you know, there, I think there's a, a 2016 document that came out, a, a news story in The Guardian, I think it was, that said, you know, using this ferritin, we can use, we can use that to control people's brains. Okay. There's ferritin in these, these vaccines. In fact, have you seen those uh, videos of people putting a magnet on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of depends a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, saw, I saw it also. You know, people look at this vaccination passport. You have to take a look at the bigger picture with what a lot of truth seekers do. This is the centralization of all the data that will be sent to a central institution or to a cloud. And now it's just like your vaccine uh, status, et cetera. But oh. I, think, I, th I think in the future, when you send more and more data to a central institution and you will be constantly connected to like a cloud, you are more and more prone to being interfered with your perception, your behavior, and you will be tracked and traced. So people look at it just being a paper thing to show. This is just the first step to more and more control and infringements on your fundamental freedoms and the central European it, it, or central institution keeps score of what you do, what you say, how you feel, ah, how you think. But you're not, you're not thinking big enough here, yeah? Once they've got that technology mm. in you, right? Once they start merging you with the technology, once they connect you to the internet full time, yeah? Imagine being connected to the internet so that you're in a matrix type world. Yeah, so you can play in a Ready Player One if you saw that film. Yes, yeah. that kind of. But instead of having technology on you, right, you are connected directly to the internet. Mm, right, yeah. your optic nerve is 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 taken over so that you and all your senses. So your senses are in the matrix now. You you don't feel the outside world anymore because all your senses are being signals are being sent to your senses via the technology. Right. But now they've also got control of your brain and your body. So while you're playing in the matrix, now they can march you off to the uh, extermination center without you knowing about it. And all of a sudden your game will just end. <laughs> yeah. And you won't know that you're dead. Right. Sounds, sounds funny, but already 
while they were trying to give vaccinations to children, and they, they found that children were, were, you know, screaming and shouting, resisting, what they did was put uh, a virtual reality helmet on them, yeah, and on screen, they were interacting with this character, and this character on screen would, would play around with their arm, and at the same time, the nurse would lift their, their sleeve up, and the character on screen would, would maybe punch them or something on the arm, and at the same time, the nurse would jab them Whoa. so that, yeah, so while they were in the virtual world, right, something else was going on in the real world, but they had no idea. But this is, they, this is the thing that I saw. And one, people, I, I saw it like in the UK of like what, what they can gather with a vaccination passport. And uh, I saw the thing like, huh, all these things that they, they, they can check out if you've been, you know, in detention, if you did this, like, whoa, they're gathering more data on this passport than you would think. This is something I saw like in the UK. But another fascinating thing I also saw was they're, dis they're destroying everything what connects people and our fundamental things that make us human. Like also the female male dichotomy, religion, certain you're being proud of your heritage, why everything has to be customizable. So this transgender thing is just to make like everything is subjective. Everything is customizable. So transhumanist is like, oh, why not make everything customizable? Why not have endless choice? Why not only have the experience that I want to, which seems good, but that's like existential agony forever. Endless choices and never be connected to anything. Only the cloud, but everything else that gives you stability, it's gone and sacrificed. Well, you just have to check Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030 now. They want us separate from our families, yeah? So we don't have family anymore, yeah? So you're not, you don't, you're not born with a mother and father. You're birthed, yeah? And, and literally, you, you live in a, a little cubicle with all your needs, you know, supplied to you by the, by the system. You, you might even go out to work or you do something maybe in your little cubicle. I don't know. You might but never... But you see this anti-fertility agenda there, like the sperm rates is dropping. People are divorcing like crazy. People can't have a child anymore. There's like human or parasites, like social distancing, then climate change, we're polluting the planet. So you see all these themes about don't reproduce anymore. You're a parasite. Don't connect anymore. You know, like just fulfill your hedonistic short-term pleasures and have endless customizable you know, enjoyment, which is a false promise, but people- And die quickly. It. Yes. Yes. Uh, again, it's all about depopulation and all this uh, smart cities and the social credit scheme and the vaccine passports, all this stuff is a means to that end. Yeah. It's, it's not the, mean, the end in itself. It's a means of getting rid of us all. And we're ushering it in by our, our apathy and our compliance. Let's, let's talk as a last thing a bit about that, about uh, why have the elite now ended in this stage? Did they needed the technology to then dismiss of humans completely? They can have their half human, half robot or completely robot butlers and do everything just online. What kind of culmination are we living in right now? And why don't they need humans anymore? And why now? Well, as I said, this is, this is what's known as the great work, yeah? They've been, been working towards this for uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years, yeah? As I said, it's only a small bloodline, a very small bloodline against a mass of humanity, okay? So they've had to make very small moves over the centuries in order to get pieces in place, move the chess pieces in the right order before striking. The 20th century, in my view, was the century of testing. So they were testing out systems. They were testing out regimes. They were testing out every, you know, every aspect of what they wanted to do. 
right? And the 20th century is about implementation. Again, they were very methodical. They tested everything they needed to test. And the beginning of the 21st century, it, it basically kicked off with 9-11, the implementation. Now we're going to put in the draconian laws. So they needed 9-11 to, to start bringing in those laws, to lo start locking us down. It all started from 9-11. So, so yes, we're at the end. This is the end game. This is, this is the result they've been trying to get to for thousands of years. Yeah, I feel the evil is out of the shadows and into the light. Like, what drives the evil? What have you learned about? Because often people, they, they, they read a little bit about evil and know what you have to be doing to be a good Jew or a good Christian. What is the inherent nature drive of this evil? Right. Well, again, it goes back to the Old Testament. You've got, you've got the Most High and his people uh, on one side. Right? You've got the fallen angels and their people on, on the other side. Yeah? And that's, that's the battle that's, that's been waging for thousands of years. And you know, the Israelites, well, they've, they've been in slavery and affliction for 400 years. Okay? That 400 years ended around about August 21st. 2019. It's no coincidence. At the end of the slavery, right, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. So, so literally, the the slavery is ending. Right? They had to get this system in place to stop the end of slavery. So, so this is why we've got this uh, frenetic, you know, push towards getting this system in place. They're, they're, they're not hiding it anymore. They can't hide it anymore because, they're, they're, you know, the pace is quickened so much that, you know, there's no hiding it. Yeah? So that's why, because they've run out of time yeah, to, to get this in place. According to the book, they've run out of time altogether. Yeah? Their, their plans aren't going to work out. They lose in the end. That's, that's what I wanted to know. How, how do you prepare? How do you look at the coming years? Because if you read like the end of times apocalypse, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there, battle with the serpent, <laughs> etc. And then in the end, humanity prevails. But after a lot of shock, a lot of trauma, how do you look at the future, short term and long term? Well, that's uh, that's a big question because I don't I don't sort of hold with the New Testament. I believe that's a book that mm -hmm. was added on as as a deception. The real story tells you. In fact, there's a book that's been left out of of most Bibles called Second Esdras. And Second Esdras describes this world right now. It tells that the world will be overspread by a three headed eagle. Now, the eagle is a symbol symbol of this bloodline. Okay, and so you can follow the eagle across the earth. You know, the Roman eagle, the German eagle, yeah, the American eagle. It, the, the book of um, Obadiah says about the eagle, though thou though thy exalt them thyself as the eagle and set thy nest among the stars. Okay, so what was supposedly the first words, apparently? First step for mankind. I have no idea. Tell me, yeah. Tranquility base, the eagle has landed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the eagle setting its nest among the stars. Yeah? Didn't say they're going to be in the stars. Said they're setting their nest in the stars. So this eagle, this bloodline, right, it says it's going to be a three-headed eagle. Well, there's three power bases of this bloodline in this world right now. Have you heard of the Empire of Three Cities? No. But is it the UK, America, and then a third one? No. Yes. Uh, you mm. kind of got it. Yes. So there are three places in the world that are unlike any other place. Okay. There are city-state within, uh, within a city, but not part of that city. 
within a country, but not part of that country. Right? One is Vatican City. It's not part of Rome. It's not part of Italy. It's its own separate city-state. Yeah. Next one is the uh, city of London. Right? Not part of London, not part of England. Yeah. And the third is Washington, D.C. Vatican is a center of religious control of the world. The city of London is center of financial control of the world. Washington, D.C. is a center of military control of the world. That's the three-headed eagle. Between those three heads, it's got control over the whole earth. So the book of Second Ezra tells you that the eagle will, will be subdued by the lion. Um, the lion represents the lion of Judah. Yeah, it's the sleeping Israelites right now who will rise up and, and take over or, or subdue the eagle. How do you look at what's happening like in Israel? It was one of the first with the vaccination passport and a lot of medical apartheid and segregation. So you kind of wonder that the people who've been fought fighting for freedom so long have been fighting against slavery. Then seems to be, I mean, not talking about the people, but what happened there, one of the first to have these draconian laws and segregation in society. Well, well, first of all, they're not the Israelites. They're pretending to be. They're actually part of the bloodline. Mm. one part of that bloodline. And it's no accident that they are the most vaccinated country in the world. And when it kicks in, literally half, more than half the population is going to start keeling over. And the other half are either going to panic and take the vaccine or get the hell out of Dodge. But either way, that country is going to be empty, waiting for perhaps uh, another group of people who are going to have an exodus to go back there. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they, because the people who would survive the, the whole Xavine thing would be the people who are awake. Wouldn't the people in power want those people to perish first? Well, you have to repeat that because I didn't, didn't well, quite get it. Well, with the Savine, right? If they would die from negative effects from it, you would expect the people in power to mostly target the people who are awake, who are not taking it. But if so many people would die from it, that means that their biggest who fight against what they do, they're the one who are still standing. That's the thing that I find curious. Like, why would you let your biggest opponents live? Well, I mean, they're again methodical. They go for the go for the uh, low hanging fruit first. That's why they've gone for the uh, old, and then the disabled. Now they're going for you know they're literally going down the age groups. But yes, there's going to be a group that, of people who aren't going to succumb to that. But that's when the uh, camps and the military and all that is probably going to kick in. But I don't think it's going to get that far. If people want to check out more about what you do, where can they check out all your stuff? I've got a website, www.allegedlydave.com. And my, my YouTube channel is dmurphy25. And you can just search for Allegedly Dave on BitChute and Library and Odyssey. A last thing, what are maybe some books or some documentaries if people want to learn about the enslavement or about the flat earth that you would recommend? And what is maybe a last message to that, you know, shrinking population who takes a stance? Like what kind of message would you give in these times where there's more and more pressure to them to acquiesce and conform? The book for Flat Earth will be 200 Proofs of the Flat Earth by Eric Dubay. And that last message, you know, keep fighting. Yeah, it's, this is not about a, vac a virus. It's not about any of the things. It's not even about a great reset. It's about right versus wrong, good versus evil. Yeah, you've got to take a side. As somebody once said, better, better choose a side because the devil owns the fence.
Thanks, man. I also like to be on the good side of history and think long-term and take a stand. Thanks for awakening people, being the Morpheus around you, and uh, wish you all the best in your struggle for freedom, man. I'm totally with you. Thanks a lot. You take care. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and support our mission of freedom of speech. With increasing restrictions on fundamental freedoms, we believe that now, more than ever, is the time for you to be an online coach or consultant and become independent from the system. That's why we created the Client Closer Academy. Learn how to consistently enroll clients and join a community of fellow free thinkers who value personal responsibility, speaking their truth, and making an impact. Find out more at clientcloser.com slash academy. Rant over.